Welcome to the Dasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching. I'm going to talk about the Believer's Authority, Part 2. The Believer's Authority, Part 2. The Believer's Authority, Part 2. Now, if you want to listen to the Part 1, and perhaps you were not here, and so you missed some of the teachings I did, I would encourage you to join uh, my Telegram page, Apostle Randy Impact on Telegram. Apostle Randy Impact on Telegram. Or join Randy Impact on podcast, um, Apple Podcast, and then you would have these messages so you can catch up. Uh, I won't go too deep into what I treated last week. I want to just move straight ahead to continue the teaching. Now, last week from Revelations chapter 1, verse 6, Revelations chapter 1, verse 6, I indicated from scripture that our position in Christ is occupied by two offices the office of the priest and the office of the king. So, what it means is that every believer has been enrolled into the priesthood office and into the kingly office. Now, this is not a matter of feeling, but a matter of ordination. So, every believer is a priest and every believer is a king. Now, last week I laid a foundation that this priestly privilege was only available to a tribe called Levi in the old covenant now under the new covenant god has made this priestly privilege available to everyone that has accepted jesus as their lord and personal savior glory and that is the power that we need to lay a hold on the fact that our new identity makes us priests so priesthood is not by tribe it's not by background you know priesthood is our identity by virtue of accepting jesus as lord and personal savior so every believer is a priest and so i talked about the priestly responsibilities under the old covenant how they would offer sacrifices with bulls with goats with um cattle and so on and so forth just to appease god and then I said, under the new covenant, it talks about us offering spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. First Peter 2.5. First Peter 2.5. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ so the believer is expected by virtue of their priesthood position to offer spiritual sacrifices and i indicated seven spiritual sacrifices i talked about the spiritual sacrifice of thanksgiving prayer praise surrendering your will to god um, giving up your ambition to take up God's will 
I talked about presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I talked about giving. And then I talked about fasting. These are spiritual sacrifices that God expects us to give unto him by virtue of making us priests. And then our priestly obligation or mandate is that we are to reconcile men unto God. You know, under the old covenant, the priest brought the sacrifice so that God will have peace with men. All right. In the new covenant, uh, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, you clearly see that the priesthood has a duty. And that duty is for us to reconcile men back unto God. You see that? Now, under the new covenant, the sacrificial lamb is not a goat. It's not the blood of a bull. But the sacrificial lamb is Jesus Christ. So we go with the knowledge that there's a lamb that has been sacrificed. So when we talk to men about God, you know, God will forgive men of their sins because the price has been paid. So we are priests in the new covenant. Every Christian is a priest. So this brings us to the understanding that we, are, you know, the priesthood is not just for pastors and apostles and teachers. It is a fundamental office of all believers. Hallelujah. And this knowledge is very important because if you don't know this, you will not be able to fully occupy that office and you will not be able to fully fulfill the obligations of that office. And that will make you defective in meeting the standard that God has set concerning you. Very, very important. Priest unto God. Now, today I want to talk about the next dimension. I told you, Revelation 1.6 says, we are priests and kings. So, I've talked about the priesthood. Today I want to talk about the kingship. The kingship. Now, Christians are kings. We are not just a people that, that are born again, that are saved. We are not just a people that are forgiven. We are kings. <laughs> we are kings. This knowledge is very crucial. Because, you see, until we know who we are, we cannot function as God expects us to function. There's always a big gap between our identity and our responsibility. And the gap is a knowledge gap. There's a reason why God has made us priests and kings. It is not because um, God thinks that it is a nice thing to make the people he saves. But he has made us in that manner so that we can fulfill a certain obligation. So, until we come to the place of knowing this and accepting this, it will be difficult to please the Lord. And this has been the challenge that God has had with humanity from time immemorial. Everyone that had, had worked with God that have had a problem with becoming what God wants them to be, the problem has always been the knowledge gap 
that is created on the basis of identity. Now, the biggest problem that the Christian is facing today is what I call identity crisis. If you don't know who you are, you cannot become what God says you should become. That's not possible. Because we are already living by the opinions of society. Living by the opinions of men. Living by the opinions of the classifications of our modern society. Living by the opinions of academia. So, it is difficult for many people to know, first of all, God's opinion concerning them. And then secondly, to walk under that opinion. So the struggle that God has is for you, first of all, to know who you are. And that's why the first thing that every Christian must do when they become born again is to press into knowledge the word of God so that they can know what God thinks of them. Because when you are able to grasp what God thinks of you, the knowledge of society doesn't matter anymore. And in that knowledge, you can easily become what God wants you to become. God is not in the business of raising one-man champions, no. The reason why it looks like the champions that we have in the Christian faith are just a few people is that these people have caught a light of who they are but god's intention is that all his children will become champions now when you see someone manifesting in a champion way in the way that god has ordained all of us to uh, to walk in god is just helping you to understand that's who you can be that's who you can be whatever i'm doing in this person i can do it in your life but many christians do not take the time or do not go through the dis they don't go through the discipline of finding out who they are according to the word of god so though they were made to be champions they live as non-entities this is where the bible says that ye are gods yet ye die as men very important so revelation determines destination when it comes to the faith your revelation would determine your destination your revelation would determine your destination number two your revelation would determine your manifestation your revelation would determine your manifestation book of romans chapter 8 i think verse 19 the bible says that all of creation is waiting in expectation for the manifestation of the sons of god what is the Bible saying? He's not talking about children of God. He's talking about sons of God. The moment the Bible uses sons, you must begin to think about maturity. And revelation is what brings us to the place of stature, maturity. So in the faith, the more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you become. Now, God has called us to become, not to receive. Because we have already received all that it takes to become. If you don't know this, you will be in one posture. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, help me with this. God, when God actually is expecting you to change the world.
It says creation is in earnest expectation. That means that the whole of creation is expecting you to become what God has destined you to become. Even creation is uncomfortable that you have not become yet because creation had it when God said it. So the gap is a knowledge gap. It's a revelation gap. So you have princes who are walking on foot. Why? They don't know that they are princes. And you have slaves who know that the princes don't know. So they are riding the horses of the princes. Knowledge is very powerful. So we delve deep because our confidence stems from our knowledge. When you know, you are empowered. The book of Hosea says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Lack of revelation. So in the book of Romans 8, 19, it says that creation is an endless expectation for the manifestation, the phanerosis, the manifestation of the sons of God. The visible and tangible expression of sons so that the world will know there is a God. But the word sons there, if you listen to my teaching on um, growing into maturity, I talked about this, the levels of maturity. And I talked about a level called the hues. The hues. You know, and I said that that level is a level of maturity. So when we talk about sonship, you know, the word that the Greeks used for sons to indicate the manifestation of sons, that word is the word hues. So God is saying that until, uh, before you can manifest the glory of God, before you can manifest to become what God has said about you, you need to mature in revelation. Your food is the word of God. The more you eat that food, the more you grow. The less you eat that food, the more you become stunted and truncated in your growth. And the more you become stunted and truncated in your growth, the more you cannot display the glories of God. Hallelujah. That's why teaching the word of God is very crucial. Teaching it and receiving it and learning it and studying the scripture, it helps you to grow. Praise the Lord Jesus. So we are kings. What does it mean that we are kings? Let me take you back a little bit. All of this is so essential because if you don't know from God's perspective your abilities in Christ, it will be difficult for you to execute the responsibilities that have been placed on your shoulder. How did I know? Throughout the old covenant, every person that God worked with, God had this challenge with them. God had this challenge with them. You see, God worked with um, Gideon. And God told Gideon, the Bible said, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, indicating that in the spiritual world, they saw him as a mighty man of valor. Why? Because of what they have put in him. But he did not see himself like that. 
And so because of the fact that he could not see himself like that, he could not fulfill God's expectation of him. Listen to me and listen to me very well. Anything you are not able to do in Christ is because you don't see that you can do it. Because we operate and express ourselves based on how we see ourselves. So the Bible says he was stretching wheat in a wine press. He saw himself as a coward. The angelic host also saw him as a mighty man of valor. Why? God had made him a mighty man of valor, a deliverer of the people of God. When you look at the life of Jonah, God actually saw him in light of what he has made him. So, Bible says that God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and stir up a revival. Now, because he could not see himself in light with what God had made him to look like in the spirit, he did not go. So, this has been God's challenge from time immemorial. I mean, you look at people like Jeremiah. God said, uh, you know, go out there and be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, I'm only a youth. Why? That's how society had made him feel. So until you have the right revelation, you will never become what God says you should become. God spoke to Moses and said, go to Egypt and command the Pharaoh to let my people go. But Moses saw himself as a stammerer. So when he was talking to God, he said to God, I cannot speak well. How can I execute such a great task? Where was the problem? The problem was in revelation of who he was. So God had to now remind him, I've made you a God unto Pharaoh. I've made you a God. That means that when Moses was running away from Pharaoh, a God was running away from man. <laughs> so the things you have been empowered to confront you run away from it if you don't know that you carry such a power that's why the more we read the, the scripture the more we are empowered we are emboldened to know who we are so the bible says we are kings and priests kings and priests and you know i see this all the time as a pastor sometimes i'm encouraging people to take on a challenge i'm encouraging people to exercise dominion in a certain field i'm encouraging people to exercise faith i'm encouraging people to do exploit for god but by the time the people leave my presence they look at themselves and they say how can i do this how can i do this and then they wallow in that knowledge in the end they fail why their knowledge is unfruitful concerning who they are in christ and it affects everything we do our prayer life our confidence our ability to obey god that's why i was teaching the last time pride is failing to agree with what god has said concerning you and many people they speak back to god because they can't see themselves the way god sees them the way god sees us is you know is packaged and and hidden in scripture so if you don't have the habit of studying the word of god you will never know 
who you are in Christ. You are a priest and a king. 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 Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, we've talked about priesthood. So let me um, teach on the kingly dimension of the believer. Who is a king? According to the word of God. According to the word of God. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 gives us an understanding of who we are. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Now, it says, the old is past, the new has come. Now, Paul was telling this to the Corinth church, or the church in Corinth. But, you see, the word new used there was too general. It says, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. What is a new creation? You see, that knowledge was too general. So when you read it, you can just say, okay, I'm a new creation. What does it mean? It still lacks a lot of detail, yes. So you can say, I'm a new creation, but to what end? So many people know, you see, it's a matter of knowledge. They know I am new, but what does it mean? What is new? Is it a new body? Is it a new ears? Is it new hair? So, when you come into the flesh and you look at yourself, you realize that, no, your thoughts are the same. Your speech is the same. So, what happened to you? Then you begin to think that it's a lie. So, until your understanding is fruitful about the new creation, you cannot walk in light with a new creation. So there are a lot of Christians. They have become motivational speakers. Some too have become advisors. Because see the thing that God is saying. It's not really. It's not really. It, it sounds good. But it's not. It's, it, you know you can't lay a hold on it. And because of. Reverence for God. You just hold on to it. I'm a new creator. I mean if you ask the average uh, you know, Christian. What is a new creator? They don't know. So it's like they said we should just believe it and confess it. When we, the more we confess it, we will become it. No. Until your understanding is fruitful, you will not be able to walk in light of the new creation. This is very crucial. So when we are talking about the new creation, the details are not in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's not there. It's the introduction of who we have become. You know, Bible says the old is gone. What is the old? What is the old? Because if you say the old is gone, <laughs> the inclinations of our desires, they are still there in the flesh. The, the thought patterns are still there. What is gone? You see, so you think about it and then sometimes okay let me just be religious let me just go to church let me just perhaps the more i go then i'll become new you have become new in the spirit it's not just a regeneration of your spirit man understand this there's a newness more in terms of your position 
not in terms of your transformation it's more in terms of your position <laughs> but paul held on to the details of this revelation so you can easily think that you have become new in terms of transformation so the moment you don't understand the whole thing you just limit the whole conversation to okay my spirit is new and that's it no that's not what happened it is the result it is part of what happened but it's not the ultimate thing that happened so newness in christ is a very broad subject and the person that has become new must lay a hold on it you must understand it from god's perspective that's why the bible uses the greek word uses uh, i do it like a word that seems to say that look deeply that's the subject of newness in christ it's not to be looked at in a shallow way it's very deep because until you understand this you continue to operate like a slave in the kingdom of god you will still be eating crumbs when you are supposed to sit on the table with the king it will affect the way you think and the way you behave many christians are still in that stage where they say okay i'm born again i'm new so because i'm new jesus is coming for me so they can't connect it to the newness of their identity on earth what implications why did god make you new on earth we know that your spirit is regenerated and so when he comes and appears during the rapture that spirit has a similarity with his spirit and so you can be transported into his realm we know that but then how is it relevant on earth here this is where you have to understand that the word behold he said behold all things have become new not some things so what are these all things that's what the christian must behold look deeply into the matter of all things look deeply not in a shallow way because when you look in a shallow way you cannot bring the manifestation that god wants you to bring as a son of god many people when they get to heaven they will realize that they did not scratch a surface of their born again experience because they didn't understand it in the first place and listen to me it is only knowledge that brings what faith and faith is what helps us you know to do the things that god wants us to do so your faith level is measured at the dimension of your revelation the more you know the more faith you have so you can increase your faith based on your revelation the more you fellowship with scripture the more you see that the things that pe many people struggle with you don't struggle with because you have faith based on the knowledge of god so the question is how much do you know about you you know, many people take delight in finding out about other people. You know, people like, okay, Catherine Coleman was a powerful woman. Uh, you know, A.A. Allen was a powerful man. Um, Billy Graham was a powerful man. What about you? 
<laughs> you see, we spend so much time looking at the results of other people, but we forget that their results was premised on their revelation. You will never be able to take steps, consummate with God's expectation if you don't understand how he sees you. These people saw themselves as supermen. They saw themselves as supermen. John Wesley believed that he could cross a coast, come into Africa and preach the gospel and nothing shall by any means hurt him. That's the confidence with which he went. You know, people like Catherine Coleman did exploits. They were able to do ministry at a certain level. They went into auditoriums. Made statements to take over the auditoriums when they did not have the money to pay for it. And yet, at the time of possession, God brought the resources. Why? Because Catherine Coleman understood what it meant to be a new creature. These were not people who were just going to church for advice. You know, sanctimonious, uh, you know, just go to church, pay my tithe, give a, an offering so that when Jesus comes, he will not have any problem with me. You are trying to live your life in a certain way so that Jesus will not have a problem with you. When as a matter of fact, he already has a problem with you because you are making his investment go waste bible says creation is groaning it's in expectation of your manifestation but you can never manifest until you have revelation you can never manifest until you have revelation every level of manifestation is you know is directly proportional to the revelation of the person manifesting so revelation is very important one day uh bishop david Oedipo, i was listening to a preaching by him he said he was reading the scripture 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 and then he found a verse he found a verse when he found the verse he screamed in his room i can never be poor <laughs> now that's a statement you can also see but you can say it without the revelation that thing you are saying will never happen to you under the inspiration of the holy ghost who are we so paul talked about the fact that you know you are a new creation and left the details he said the old is gone what's old what are we talking about we are left hanging what's old he never gave us any details he said the new has come what's new <laughs> what's new has come i can't see it then he says behold look deeply into that matter where is it it's in ephesians he gave the details to the church in Ephesus. He teased the mind of the church in Corinth. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. This is actually what has happened to us. It says, 
Ephesians 2 6. It says, For he raised us from the dead. He's talking about God. He raised us up from the dead along with Christ. What is new? What is new is our legal position in Christ. That's what is new. And that's, you see, that's very important. He raised us up from the dead. What is past? The dead life. That means there was no way we could connect with God. That means we were slaves to sin and the desires of Satan. That means we didn't have any life. So he had to raise us up. That language indicates position. Raise us up. You see, it's talking about position. We were dead. When people die, they go down. You see? So our position in this life was dead. No position. Trampled upon by anything, any power. So God had to bring Jesus to our level. Because the spirit deals with legalities. You can't save what you are not like. It's a spiritual law. God could have easily said, okay, I feel like saving these people. And then he will snap a finger and they are saved because God is all powerful. But in the spirit, we are dealing with legalities. There's a legal way to execute an agenda in the spirit. Otherwise, like I said the last time, Satan can go to God and accuse God. Because God is bound by his word. That's why the blood of goats and bulls could not take away our sin. It covered our sin. I was explaining that man is tripartite. And animals have souls and what? Bodies. So there's no way that being can effectively replace us. So God had to make himself a man and fulfill the legal entry into the earth. How men enter the earth is the same way God, because you see, it is man that has sinned. And it is man that can come and resolve the problem. Of sin because this earth those who dominate are men so Jesus Christ though being God had to come like a man so that if death is the problem of man he as God because he became man he also died so Bible said the wages of sin is death so the things that man did that God had a problem with, God came in the form of man to nullify it. Hallelujah. To nullify it. By, in, in, the, in the nature of a man. 
The problem of man was limited to man. So God came to live the sinless life as a man. So that man is the first man that did not have sin. And he was used to replace all men. <laughs> so the man took away the sins of the men. If God comes to take away the sin of men, spiritually, it's not accepted. That's foul play. That's using your authority in the wrong context. So he had to come in a legal way. That's why the Bible says, if the princes of this world knew, they did not see the, oper <laughs> the operation of God. They knew that, listen to me, they knew that for God to be able to reverse this curse upon man, he has to come like a man. But they didn't believe that God would do that. Because that would be an upfront on the integrity and power of God. That's why till date, when you go to Israel, they don't believe that Jesus came. God is too powerful. That's why, you know, when Jesus was having conversation with the Jews, he, he made statements like, I and my father are one. And the Bible said they were filled with indignation. How is it that you, being a man, can compare yourself to God? They knew God as so mighty. He appears in the form of clouds. He appears in the form of pillar of fire. He appears in the form of powerful manifestations. He will never come in the form of a man. No, that's stooping too low. So by the time they realize, God is man. <laughs> That's the mystery. The Bible says the mystery of godliness. That God became a man and was made manifest to them. In the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the strategy of God to redeem men. If you understand this, you understand the wisdom of God. You appreciate the wisdom of God. So when we talk about the new creation, we start from position. We were dead in sin. We were dead. We had no value. Dead people don't have value even in the earth realm. So Christ had to die and come to our level. Our level of death. And when Christ was raised, legally, we were also raised. Because a man is the one that was raised from that position that we had, we had fallen as men. That position that we are falling as men. Hallelujah. We were raised from that position. So the new creation is we're talking about legal position of the new uh, of the of the new creature legal position raised we are not dead in we are raised it says for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and what seated us the new has come what is it seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So, in the animal kingdom, if 
the animals had sinned and God wants to redeem the animals he had to become an animal legally that's how you do it that's what is accepted otherwise it brings a disparity in the spirit angels cannot save men it's foul play spiritually it's foul play oh thank you holy spirit so what have we become we are seated with christ we don't just have a regenerated spirit we are seated with christ what does it mean it's a positional thing we were raised to be seated you see posture is very essential in the spirit the most powerful posture in the spirit is a sitting posture not a standing posture when you go to united kingdom they understand this so the queen of england actually sits and her husband stands because when it comes to authority the one that sits is more powerful than the one standing <laughs> because the the symbol of authority is what the throne and the throne is meant to be seated upon so in the spirit those with the highest power they are seated there's a bowing posture there's a kneeling posture there's a prostrate posture and then there's a sitting posture the highest posture in the spirit if you want to see those that have the highest power they are seated in the spirit so by virtue of what christ did you know god intentionally raised us up and made us seated not standing or kneeling he could have raised us up to be in a kneeling posture before his throne but the bible says he raised us from the dead along with christ and seated us with him are we seated around him no where are we sitting with him on the same throne <laughs> on the same throne on the same throne what is god communicating the throne only represents authority so what god was saying is that by the time you are a new creation you are ruling with christ christ redeemed you so that you will rule with him that's the original plan of god in genesis have dominion over the earth we lost that dominion christ came christ has left we are restored why now our position has changed and so we have the same power and authority that christ has to rule with him so we are reigning with christ we are reigning with christ say i'm reigning with christ say i'm reigning with christ that's a powerful thing so you don't see yourself as a beggar you see yourself as a king your kingship is not you know it's not like you say it and then you become it no you are not doing anything to become a king 
You were made a king when you were born again. When you didn't even know you were a king. Kingship is ordination by virtue of God's grace. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Say, I'm a king in Christ. Say, I'm a king in Christ. Wow. Psalm 110 verse 1. David saw this. He said, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. What's that language? Occupy the place of authority. Right hand is the place of authority. It's a prophetic language. When a spiritual person says sit, he's saying take authority. That's why, you know, in governance, when you vote for a president, publicly they bring a throne like a seat. And then they make him sit. As he sits, he has taken the authority. In the traditional setting, when you are stooling a chief, they bring a, a stool and make him sit. Because sitting is a spiritual thing. When you sit like this, you are occupying authority. So we are seated. We are not standing. We are seated with Christ on the same throne in heavenly places. Hallelujah. When you know this, you will not look at yourself as a non-entity. Hallelujah. And this thing must enter your heart. I'm a king in Christ. 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 I'm no more a slave. I'm a king in Christ. Hallelujah. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David prophetically tapped into a conversation that two lords were making. He said, the Lord says to my Lord. The Lord says to my Lord. The first Lord is all in caps. He says, the Lord says to my Lord. The second Lord only has the first letter in caps. The rest in small letters. What is this? You see, the Bible is very deep. Eh? If you are a lazy Christian, the, you, the, you, you will go to heaven and not even understand what was in the Bible. <laughs> you know, when some people are reading the Bible, for example, you get here, you say, this is not my matter. Let me go, let me go. Let me go. And that's, I met somebody that asked for book of Revelation. I don't like it, crap, because when I read it, I don't understand it. No, that's the problem, because it was written for you. It was not written for angels. Neither was it written for demons. So you have to force and understand it. There are keys hidden there. Until you lay your hand on it, your life can never reflect the full glory of God. That's the problem. You see, teaching should be taken seriously in church. We should be camping and trying to get the word of God concerning our life. Like for one week, from morning till evening, teaching on the word of God, teaching, teaching. By the time you come out, nobody needs to tell you a king. You walk like a king. You talk like a king. You possess like a king. This issue of going before God and always begging, God, please, God, please, God, please. You know I'm a nobody. You know I'm a, you know, that talk is stemming from a lack of revelation. 
Bible says you come therefore boldly. God is talking to you. And then he's saying when you are coming to him. Come boldly. Walk test out. My God. Because in the spirit the angels look on. And they don't see you as a slave. They say these are the kings of the king. That's why Jesus is king of kings. We are not talking about territorial kings. Those are small kingship. Otherwise, the kingship of, of God will be so small. He's not just, you know, a king of Ashanti kingdom. We are talking about all of humanity on the earth. So, are you telling me that Jesus is king over one king in the whole Ashanti kingdom? No. <laughs> so, if he says king of kings, who are the kings? We are not talking about earthly kings. We are talking about those who are seated with him in Christ. He is king over those kings. And the Bible says he is lord over lords. We are the lords representing Christ in the earth realm. Do you know something? When the Christian has a problem with, will I go to heaven? Will I, I'm not sure. You know, sometimes when a preacher is making an altar call and he says, if you are not sure about your salvation, come for it. Someone has been a Christian faith for 20 years, he will come for it. That's a problem. You see, somebody like that, eh, God cannot do anything with that person. It's difficult. Because you are not sure about a fundamental thing as salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you are saved. Done deal. Oh boy. Then, after 20 years, you are saying you are not sure. Your salvation is not about you being sure. It's about you fulfilling a requirement and God, by his faithfulness, declaring that it is settled. So it's a matter of faith. It's, it's settled. So by the reaction of people, I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or I'll not go to heaven. Listen to me. By 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19, 20, the Christians will not be asking, would I go to heaven or not? Listen to me. Being born again is not like a passport to heaven. No. Look at it. The Bible says we are now Christ's ambassadors. It says we are citizens of the kingdom. What does it mean? If you're a citizen of a place, do you still doubt whether you can go there or not? <laughs> do you get it? Oh, when Jesus comes, there will be surprises. Where is the surprises? Surprise of what? So ignorance will make us say many things. If you want to be sure of your salvation, come forward. So we, we rededicate you to, to God. Rededicate you to God. <laughs> God say you are an ambassador. That means you are already from there. An ambassador is a person that has been accepted as a countryman of a particular nation. So you are a stranger rather here. So if Christ comes during the rapture to take his own, will he leave his citizens? You are already a citizen. You are not trying to be a citizen. You are rather trying to fulfill the mandate of your citizenship. <laughs> Seated with Christ. If you understand this, listen to me. <laughs> it will change your perspective. You walk into a business deal and you know this is you know you you are not going to beg for the deal 
the king has come to take what belongs to him. <laughs> Look, this is very important too, because Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And the Bible says in the book of James, the double-minded person cannot receive. So the moment you don't see yourself as a king, you have forfeited your kingly rights. So, your kingly benefits cannot come to you. There's a way kings must talk. There's a way kings must walk. There's a way kings must behave. He will not make us go into the world to disciple nations when we don't have kingly knowledge on governance he will not send a slave to disciple nations that's why he has to raise your position the nations are under your feet the nations are already for you listen to what the bible says psalm 110 verse 1 you know when you become born again, you go to Sunday school and they keep saying Sunday school, no talking. Sunday school, no talking. Uh, Jesus, Jesus' father is Joseph. Jesus' mother is Mary. And you hold on to that knowledge till you become 30. You don't know anything. You know. You become a liability to God. Bible says, I saw under the sun princes walking on foot. What's the problem? We are not doing things to attain a kingly stature. We are rather to know our kingly stature and behave as such. He says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What is he talking about? Now, pay attention. In Ephesians chapter 2, we understand that because bible say because we are united with christ jesus you see god is the one who did that we are uni- we are one with christ whatever is happening to i watch a funny video well it's not a funny video that's somebody reality but it made me laugh there's this young man that looks like uh thomas Pate, the footballer so i saw him on social media and then he was saying that And the guy really looks like Thomas Pate. You know, so he has won a certain fame. You know, they call him Pate Jr. or something like that. And he was granted an interview. And he says that God makes people too, too. Which is not biblical. Everyone has a unique identity. That's what scripture says. <laughs> Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no photocopy. Everyone is original. Now, he's saying that it is so interesting that whenever Thomas Pate has an injury, he feels it in his leg. <laughs> but he he's a poor man's child. So as Thomas Pate has an injury and he, he feels it in his leg, Thomas Pate is having medical treatment in very sophisticated you know hospitals but he doesn't have money to treat himself you know that's that's a serious mastermind of <laughs> the guy's determined to make it by hook or crook especially by crook <laughs> he says whenever anything happens to thomas Pate, it happens to him he doesn't understand the connection is so strong 
But then you ask a simple question. Why is it that Thomas Pate has a lot of money? And he it has a, the money has it. <laughs> oh boy. It says we are united with Christ. One with Christ. It's a serious orchestration. The new has come. It's too heavy. You can't just you can't just proceed. When you see the new has come, you have to stop and take a deep breath. You have to take a sigh and try to digest it. United with Christ, you are not ordinary. <laughs> it means wherever we see Christ, we see you. You are one with Christ. God engrafted you into Christ. Gave Christ honor. So what happens is that because you are united with Christ, everything God did unto Christ, it happened to you. That's why Jesus looked at them and said, the things I did, you would do and even more. It's not because, you know, we press into it. No, 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 no. It's by virtue of position. Because Christ understood that. He has paid the price. We are enjoying the benefits. Unite, you can't separate us from Christ. You can be united with Christ and still see yourself as a failure. Because you lack a revelation that you are united. You are one with Christ. That's why when God sees us, he sees Christ. He sees us through the lens of Christ. We are one with Christ. So he says, the Lord says to my Lord, this scripture, it concerns us. David had a conversation between God and God. And he brought it out. He said, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What's the meaning? The Lord, the first Lord. When you look at the Hebrew language, is the word Yahweh. And Yahweh represents God the Father. To the Hebrews, that's the ancient God, the creator of the universe, the I am, the all-powerful God. His name is Lord. The word Lord there was interpreted as Yahweh. And then he said, this Yahweh says to my Lord, the word Lord here is interpreted Adonai. Adonai means master. Who became the master of humanity? Jesus Christ. So when Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, the obligation of dying for humanity, and he went to heaven, David had the opportunity to hear what was going on. So now God, who sent him, said to Lord, the master of humanity, and said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Ephesians says that this sitting, we are seated with him. So when the Lord Yahweh was speaking to the Lord, he was speaking to us. Hallelujah. He was speaking to us. Because the Lord Yahweh engrafted us to the Lord Adonai. So that everything he says to him, he has said to us. Wow. 
sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your foes too. This is the kingly dimension. The kingly dimension is positional. It talks about where we are seated. Listen, the kingly dimension, listen, a, a person is not a king until he sits on the throne. The throne is what makes a person a king. We have potential king, but a potential king is not a king. We say that if your father is a king and he gave, he gave birth to you, you have the chance of becoming a king, but we can't start saying you are a king. Because throne is what makes a king. So he says, sit at my right hand. That means that Jesus' kingship, oh boy, happened after he resurrected and went back to God. That is when he was seated as a king. That means God delegated his authority to Christ. And by extension, we receive that authority. As what? As kings. This is a mystery of salvation. So it's not a people waiting to be taken out of this world. It's a people who are in this world, but whose throne is in heaven with God. authority this is the authority of the believer i'm ending with this this is the authority of the believer the authority of the believer is in his position with christ that's his authority that's authority what is authority authority is right john chapter 1 verse 12 authority is right john chapter 1 verse 12 it says, as many as received him, even to them that believed in him, he gave them their rights. What rights? <laughs> what right do we have? The right that Jesus has. He says, a right to become sons of God. God had only one son. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the son has the right. But when we believed in the son, he gave us that right. The English Bible says power. It's not power. It's authority. The Greek word used there is exousia authority that means right to operate like god sons of god so our position influences our operation anytime you see any child of god operating in a very unusual way they have known their rights in the earth realm when you know your rights demons cannot torment you you don't beg demons demons explore areas of our ignorance that's why demons question the sons of skiva the demons question them did you hear the question it's a question of position it says we jesus we know as what we know as a person who has the right over us the bible says sit here until i make your enemies your footstool 
So Jesus, they know Jesus has a right over them. They said, Paul, we know. We know Paul because Paul himself, he knows his rights over them. He says, who are you? That was a question they should have answered. <laughs> but they were staring at them. They said, hey, hey, they know Jesus, they know Paul. As far as who are we? Who are we? You see, that knowledge makes the devil explore you. Oh my God. Seated with Christ. Now, where comes your family idols? Where comes your family witchcraft? They are still under your foot. He says, until I make your enemies your foot too. You have to know this. If you go to somebody's house and he writes, beware of dogs, and you enter, because you know that you are a human being, how can you beware of dog? <laughs> But if you think that dog is more powerful than you, you will beware of dog. That means dog is exercising rights over you. What I'm teaching you is very powerful. And many people, you see, they will be walking past a dog and they will be subdued. Even when the dog is in a cage, they are, they are, they are, they are shaking. Because they don't have an understanding of where they are seated. But if you see, beware of dog, and you say, no, how can I beware of dog? Dog must beware of man. Because God gave rights to man over every living thing. Dog, you see, if you have the courage, Bible says everything is cleansed with prayer. But the moment you don't know this, you see it as your master. If you have the confidence, you can just walk in as a dog is, you can hold a stick like this, the dog will go back. The dog will behave. It's based on revelation. When the devil realizes that you don't know who you are, he will pounce on you. Yes, he will pounce on you. So in the realm of the spirit, knowledge is an equity. They know those who know and they know those who don't know. <laughs> Demons know those who don't know. That's why they can speak to your heart. They can permeate your dreams. They can try to torment and subdue you. Because your knowledge of yourself in Christ is unfruitful. So as for me, we come from a humble background. As for me, I'm very careful because we, we don't have some. You see, you are still struggling with the authority, right? So one of the things that God gave you when you became born again is a right. A right. Because authority is a right. The president of Ghana has the rights over the nation. That's why he works with confidence. Right over military. Right over police. Right over everything. He's not under the system. <laughs> Hallelujah. Until I make your enemies your fools too. So my enemies, they are already... If you declare yourself my enemy, you have taken a position in my life. And that's under my feet. Wow. You better not become my enemy. Because anyone who declares themselves enemy, God makes them my fools too. I step on them. That's their new position. Behold, all things have become new.
My position has changed. My status has changed. I'm now a king. I operate like a king. I speak like a king. Bible says, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall come to pass. We are kings. And the demons know. So, when I'm ministering to people and I'm commanding demons, I'm commanding them from the position that I'm seated with Christ. I'm commanding them based on delegated authority. The demons, they fear Christ because of his position. Not because of his, uh, you know, he, he's just being a son of God. Because of his position. I am seated with Christ. I am seated with Christ. I am seated with Christ. You look at sickness in the face and say diabetes. You don't dwell with kings. Out of this body. In the name of Jesus. You look at poverty in the face and say poverty. What business do you have with kings? You don't belong to palace. You don't belong in the life of kings. Out of my life. You are doing this based on revelation of who you are. I said, Jesus, we know. Because Jesus spoke from authority. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. <laughs> he said, I'll destroy this body and raise it. Audacity. That's how kings speak. Audacity. <laughs> he says, go and tell them there's a cult. Bring it to me. I need it. Ish. And when the owner asks you, tell him I have need of it. Seated with Christ. <laughs> Seated with Christ. You see auditorium, you say, I have need of it. <laughs> you don't say it because Jesus said it to you. You say it because you are united with Christ. It has become your reality. God bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.